Welcome to Mental Health Conversations, a series of podcasts to help families and faith communities begin conversations on mental health. The goal of these podcasts is to provide education on mental health conditions, invite further conversations through discussion questions, and offer resources for follow-up. This podcast is produced by the Northeastern Minnesota Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America and is funded by a generous grant from the ELCA Disability Ministries, made possible through Always Being Made New, the campaign for the ELCA. Welcome, this is Joy Hensel. The topic for today's podcast is Suicide Prevention and Response, Equipping Family, Friends, and Ministry Leaders. Talking about suicide or any type of traumatic death can trigger unexpected feelings. Individuals might start to feel uncomfortable or a wave of sadness or maybe even memories, anxiety, while having these conversations. I want to encourage you to give yourself some gentle care if this occurs during this podcast. That means your body's talking to you. You might be experiencing a feeling, and it might be an uncomfortable feeling. It also might be a helpful feeling. If you need, get up, get a drink of water, doodle, have a snack, chew some gum. Maybe even take a break or turn off the podcast if you need to take a break or call a family member or a trusted friend to talk with. Your feelings are important. Your feelings count. And they are real. And often they're unexpected. If you need to give yourself some care during this podcast, please do. Many of us these days have experienced a family member, a friend, or an acquaintance who has died by suicide. If we don't know someone personally, these days I I feel like we're bombarded by media and we hear about death and suicide quite often, so no one's immune. Suicide or traumatic death truly impacts all of us. So what can we do? Today, we have an opportunity to learn and listen with Chris Erie. Welcome, Chris. Thank you so much for being here today. Why, thank you. So, Chris, would you start a little bit with sharing about you and your background and training? Sure. I grew up here in Duluth. Um, Went to First Lutheran my whole life. Um, Was a camper at Camp Vermilion. That's kind of part of the the church aspect of it and Mm -hmm. worked at Camp Vermilion as a canoe guide. And then I went to Luther College graduated with a BSW in social work, and then my master's right away with uh, UW-Madison because I wanted to work in schools. And then um, I did a year with Lutheran Volunteer Corps when we were still uh, based out of Minneapolis uh, in Taiwan and Australia, running around in a van with six of us in different people's houses. And I will actually say that's kind of one of the places where I realized I enjoyed the social work world because we had Mm. kind of a funny thing is that the Mm -hmm. pastor would figure out when we got to the church, which one is Chris. And then he would say, I just got to talk to you before I send you off to your host family. Because they would place me in homes that either were struggling or were asking for a little assistance, but they didn't want to go outside Mm -hmm. of it. And here I was dropped in there for a few hours and I had a license. And so, yeah. And so I would come back some mornings elated, some mornings exhausted, (laughs) because we had been up for a while and doing other things, but ran the gamut kind of 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 everything. And then I followed, um, did school social work throughout my career here in different districts and in the state. My husband's a high school principal and now superintendent. And then um, I finished my clinical license. So I'm an LICSW with the state of Minnesota. And I also hold a school social worker license. So yeah. Wow, it's great. What a rich background that you have in those experiences, especially yeah. 
a variety of experiences throughout the years. Yeah. When throughout all of these different experiences, whether it be showing up at someone's house as a mm-hmm. who's hosting you, yeah, <laughs> or within schools and working with families, what have you found to be most difficult when you're educating or discussing or just talking about the topic of suicide prevention? I think what's been interesting is that through the years of my mm-hmm. career for 25 years now is that it's it's come from you don't talk about it at all. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. quiet. It's silent sure. to that's that family's issue or that's family's problem. And you don't mm-hmm. mess with it unless they mm-hmm. ask you to. Mm-hmm. All the way to now the internet and everything is on social media with some right. people that then no matter what you can find either resources, help or negative issues dealing with the topic that I I think you got to figure out with the family that you're working with. I work K-12 with schools Mm -hmm. and where is that family and where's that student or where's that person? What is their experience with suicide? And Mm -hmm. then when it hits your family or it hits your community, where can you best go for health and and help? You've you've really experienced that whole gamut Mm -hmm. of and seen a lot of changes, it sounds like, also in yep. the topic of of mm-hmm. how we talk about suicide and mm-hmm. deaths by suicide. Yep. So deaths by suicide continue to be increasing, especially, it sounds like, for adolescents and young adults. I think I saw some statistic on NAMI that it's now the number two cause of death for that age group. What trends have you been noticing in the communities for which you work or what's what's changed throughout? I mean, through that time frame, what have you seen that's changed? Why the increase? So three questions, I guess. Mm. So kind of different trends or what's happening in your community and what's changed or is changing that kind of is a cause for this increase? On the one hand, you wonder if it's happening more because people are talking about it mm-hmm. or it's named mm-hmm. different. Yeah where people um, you even see in obituaries. Uh-huh. Sometimes now people will say, took their life or, mm-hmm. you know, and then they place the resources for mental health, you know, right at the end of it, where that family is trying to then, you know, kind of own, you know, what happened in their family right. and reach out and let people know it's it's happening. Others still, it's a very intimate mm-hmm. issue that it is theirs and private, private, yeah. Yep, yeah, that that is what they want to do. But with youth now and kids, how quickly people will just say, I just want to die. Or how they will just say, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think teachers and others are taking that more seriously. Mm -hmm. That then it is a trigger to you need to go find somebody to talk to whether it be just a quip that they said, or if the and and dig into what do you mean by that? And can we and what I always say is with kids that are if that's a a easy thing that comes out of your mouth, what other words can I give you? Right. that are expressing what really you feel rather than mm-hmm. I just don't want to be here anymore or I want to die because then you can differentiate between the actual what do we need to dig into here with your mental right. health or the is this something that just you just need to get out of your out. head right yeah right let's talk briefly about some protective factors suicide risk is often balanced by protective fa- certain protective factors and what are some of those protective factors that we as family members or ministry leaders, what can we watch for? What can we, what do we need to know? I think when you look at kids, do they have 
family mm -hmm. that are intent? Do they have a, a trusted adult? Do they have a good support group? Do they have outlets? Do they have a good balance between, you know, how do they deal with stress? How do they deal with intense mm -hmm. emotional issues? And I always say from a young age, you got to give kids the language to identify what it is that is going on in their bodies and in their minds. And, can you say an example of something like that? Like, or, mm, Well, I mean, when we're little, you always, yeah. you know, happy, sad, mad, glad, right. you know, which uh -huh. ones, you know, are you going with? And as you get older, I always say, you know, like with my own kid, attach the emotion to the event. Mm. And then you can somewhat frame it in mm -hmm. your mind as to this is the way I feel here. If you attach the emotion to it, then you can move on with that even if the intensity level is there. And then you, you have a, a baseline and a, a something else from your own self as to how do I then handle this feeling in my body and in my mind. And um, then you know if it's a higher trigger or if, you, or if you're feeling differently, then you know it is something probably more intense that you need to deal with with a professional. That's great. So, if, so being a parent mm -hmm. and I have a, a student that I'm worried about or I want, to, I want them to – say a feeling word and I don't even know how to coach them on that. How yeah. would I, how would I do that? What would I say to them? Like they, let's say they're just, they seem really angry yeah. and I want them to accept that or acknowledge yeah. that or something. What, how do I go about doing that with them? What do I get? How do I give them the tools to well, do that? For me, I always go like one step kind of beyond it. Are you okay. frustrated okay. or are you mad mm -hmm. or are you just irritated? Mm -hmm. Are you and it's, it's like with the, age level, mm -hmm. you know, sticking with the other ones. And which one is it that you can start moving them in that direction okay. of language? And each time you give them a different word, uh -huh. I think. Okay. And then maybe ask them, what does that mean? Uh, and what is it? What is your body doing? That's what I do with a lot of little kids. Oh, that's, a, yeah. Yeah. What is your body doing right now? And then if kids realize their hands are clenched mm -hmm. or their teeth is, you know, and, and other things, and what is that? And why is that? And so then as an adult, you you name Start it for them. Some of the, yeah. Yep. And then go back to it. Mm. And then, you know, if you see them later on the playground or if you see them other things, it's like, is this the same thing you're feeling? Uh, and look at, you know, so or is it different? up with that yep. to help them understand or cl yep. clarify their feelings yeah. as well. That's and each great. time as you, as you're parenting, you know, you just mm -hmm. keep bringing them along with it. That's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned a bunch of protective factors. There's also risk factors and warning signs that as parents and friends and ministry leaders that we can watch for when we're concerned about someone that they care about. Can we talk a little bit about what the, like, what are risk factors, warning signs? Can we talk a little bit about those and what we need to be watching for? If, mm -hmm. if the, the feelings that they're naming, we're realizing that, oh no, this is something more. We need to figure out how yeah. to get some help. Yep. What are some of those pieces? Well, I always ask as a parent, you know, your child probably mm -hmm. better than anybody mm -hmm. or you hope or as other adults that are watching these kids, are mm -hmm. your sleeping habits different? Mm -hmm. Are you eating differently? Are you isolating yourself? Are you acting differently, you know, than you would expect? You know, are the mood swings higher? Mm -hmm. um, with some parents and kids that are that are starting to learn a little bit more as they get older with hormones, you mm -hmm. know, as you know, you go through adolescence and other things, I have them track it. You know, on oh, yeah. even as as parent child is some way that you can feel like you have a little bit more control over it. On this day, you know, I felt this. You mm -hmm. Give it a scale, one mm -hmm. to five, one to ten. This is kind of what I was feeling, whether it be, yeah. and you can kind of start to sort uh -huh. out: is it more, 
you're anxious about, you know, you have a test, is it more of you're anxious about this or is it a, a recurring factor of something else that's happening that you need to probably discuss and talk with, with a professional? That's a great tool. Yep. If someone is starting to notice a lot of those warning signs or if, if all of a sudden they're rating themselves at a five and just life seems really chaotic or out of control or just mm -hmm. they can't even name what's going on and they do need help. What are, what can family members or community members, teachers, church, church leaders, if they're noticing that's going on, what, what next steps? Mm -hmm. What, what do they do? Well, I think depending on what your role is with that person, I oftentimes it's a go with your gut of like, if you can't leave that person mm -hmm. alone, or you mm -hmm. know, you're going to think about it later that night, you know, you need to say something. Okay. And I, to me, it's a, I care about you too much to have you go through this by yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've also, you know, told youth leaders or youth pastors or other things that that is a line that you just, I care about you. If you can give me three names of an, a, an adult mm -hmm. person, give me three names of people you maybe would talk about. Let's pick one. That's great. And, and then it at least makes, you know, the conversation of like, yeah, I do have people in my life that, that maybe would be an opening or who would you go want to go with you to talk with, with your parents? Mm -hmm. Because of course, parents, you know, you, they need to know mm -hmm. and they are the, yes. the most of, you don't want to have a big, you know, it's not a secret. It's not the surprise. So that's the other piece I would always do is, um, they care about you the most. So who would you like to go with you to talk to them about it? And if that's a, a you know, an, safety first, mm -hmm. you know, as always with any safety conversations. Um, so you, what does that mean? When I, when students talk about, I am at that point where I, you know, I have talked about a plan. I've talked about, uh, this is a real, this is mm -hmm. other things. Then mm -hmm. it is a automatic for me, mm -hmm. parent phone call, find a healthcare professional yes. that then you follow their recommendations mm -hmm. and get an assessment done. Yeah. Um, you just don't mess with that at all ever because you never want to be the person that, that didn't call. Mm -hmm. and, and we always want to believe, yep. right? We want to believe yep. what, and just assess from and go from there. Right. And I think that also is where, where when they're younger, you, that's where you discern. Are mm -hmm. you just saying, I just want to die right. and just want to be done with this. But as I always also say to kids, suicide is a, a permanent yes. solution mm -hmm. for a temporary problem. And you can always usually find a way to get through it or get other than um, the other risk factors I would talk about would be also genetics. Mm -hmm. And um, in your family is is depression mm -hmm. there? Is it intense? And then that's also as you're going through adolescence, your hormones and other things are, are maybe as a ad young adult, you're starting to figure that stuff out too. So it's all of that together that you talk about with your healthcare professional, either it be primary care or go mm -hmm. find mental health care first to safety first. And then you also rule out any other medical issues that may be underlying that Absolutely. would cause some of those things happening. Because it could be that as yes. well and yep. get those answers mm -hmm. met. Yep. So often I'll have p people ask, well, do you say the word suicide? Do you ask someone, are you thinking about killing yourself? That's okay to say, right? I think if you are ready to have the question okay. answered, and it's mm. also with uh -huh. that is the biggest thing is right. I think everybody takes the deep breath and are you going to say, do you have a plan? What are you mm -hmm. going to do? And even if as a, as a professional, you have the, you know, the sheet you, you go mm -hmm. through, you have the rating form and everybody all sometimes hesitates with what are you going to do? Uh -huh. Because do you want to know the answer? 
But sometimes uh-huh. if you get it out there, then we deal with it. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, if you've thought about, you know, are there weapons in the home? Are there, mm-hmm. you know, this part of it? And then you take away those issues because it is. If somebody is fantasizing about death by suicide, mm-hmm. we take away some of those in order to keep you safe until you're feeling in a better place that you will be able to handle those issues and move on. So I've heard you talk about reminding people to connect them with people, confirm that really what's going on, do they need to see a doctor, figure mm-hmm. out what's going on, protect them, take away means, um, staying and be present with them is what you've been talking about as well. Mm-hmm. Are there other any other reminders or helpful questions or resources that you think of when you think of someone who's in that in that place, in that spot? whether it be a family member, or a friend, or a ministry leader? Mm-hmm. I think, well, and like we've been talking before, there are so many resources out there. Right. It never hurts as a parent to look at what those things are before you get mm-hmm. to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, So to know ahead of time, yeah. to do the... And what are your resources in your community? Uh-huh. You know, just like you guys are talking about in youth group or in ministry, is it, every place is a place to talk about what is going on with people and mm-hmm. mental health is now becoming one of those things that's okay to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are three questions that a family member or a ministry leader, a friend could ask a youth to get them to start opening up or beginning a conversation simply on this topic of suicide prevention? Part of it for me is I've noticed you are either sadder than normal. Mm-hmm. I've noticed there are some changes in your right. behavior. Is anything going on? Mm-hmm. Am I someone you could talk to or who else could you talk to? If you want to do that, would you like me to go with you mm-hmm. with someone that would discuss it? Um, I hear you giving them some control yeah. back, you know, saying, what what yep. do you want? And, and it's just acknowledgement, mm-hmm. I think, is a lot of it is opens the door, yes. is that somebody else is noticing that you don't quite feel or act like yourself Mm -hmm. and what we're noticing. And um, it's not the end of the world. Right. And that there's always hope Mm -hmm. and there's always help. Mm -hmm. And um, And that person's there. They're asking, they're they're noticing Mm -hmm. and asking, acknowledging and saying, okay, what let's do, let's do this. What's next? I'm here with you. Yep. And depression is a, is a deep, dark hole, mm-hmm. you know, and down, I was kind of a little bit, how far down the rabbit hole are you, mm-hmm. you know, especially mm-hmm. with some yeah. is like, if you start to notice, and also when you're tracking, and if you know uh-huh. that you have a, you know, kind of a uh, pattern of, of, you know, as we're going into winter, as we're right. going into other yes. things, what are those things you do? And how far do you let yourself get before you do ask for help and, and need to go farther with with medical health. So that's a good question as well, mm-hmm. especially as the seasons change or different times mm-hmm. of the year, just che- checking in simply too. Right. where are you at? What's yep. going on? And that life is a series of ups and downs mm-hmm. and all over the places. And just because you're always seen as this happy go lucky everything, and you're the life of the party, <laughs> or you know, people see you as that, right. what is the underlying or if all of a sudden you go through a difficult experience, mm-hmm. and life is part of it, how do you roll that into your existence and, and use it as a positive too? Mm-hmm. is that people are going to have ups and downs and how do you handle it as a person as yourself yeah Yeah. so we've mostly been focusing on the importance of suicide prevention throughout our conversation however after there's been a death by suicide in community that's not the time to start talking about prevention right i mean like that's not when we want to be talking about prevention that's the time that we need to figure out how we respond Mm -hmm. so let us talk a little bit 
about that topic. How do we respond after there's been a death by suicide? Will you share some of your experiences of how to talk with young people, how to talk with adolescents, mm-hmm. and even, even even families? So after there's been a death by suicide, mm-hmm. what comes next? How do we how do we hold this mm-hmm. conversation? Well, what I loved about this question and what I was thinking about is, for me personally, with uh, with suicides, with people I've known through different parts of my life, I think the shock lasts longer, mm-hmm. and I think it's more intense. I mean, with a death, with a you know a heart attack or other medical issue, mm-hmm. there, there's there's shock, but there's right. a reason, mm-hmm. and it's an immediate reason of like their body did not work as it usually yeah. does, you know, or a car accident, you know, mm-hmm. or, a, or a terrible tragedy that way or something. But there's a reason that you can see and you notice. And mm-hmm. but with suicide, it immediately brings such a shock of why. Mm-hmm. And everybody that has contact has the same ha, has the why. Mm-hmm. And it continues longer, I think, for people. And especially with youth, what I, you know, when you have a, a tragic death, Oftentimes it's, it's different than a grandparent or a, or a life cycle death. I found interesting is sometimes kids need to grab on if there's a tragic death, grab on to, I knew them or this is what I did or this is the last time I saw them. But with a suicide, oftentimes you go more silent. Mm-hmm. because you don't want to be seen as the person that I was closest to them or I saw them I last saw them. Mm-hmm. because why didn't I notice? Why didn't I figure out that they were so sad that they were going to go do this? And now we've lost this person in our life. And that I think is the hardest when you get the biggest tears and the biggest gut wrenching of, of realizing of like, what did I do wrong that this person then isn't with us anymore? And that takes longer to get to, I think. I mean, for, for anybody, you know, especially if you've, if you've dealt with it and you think about it longer. Mm-hmm. you know, with our process, usually, especially in church life of you, yeah. you know, that isn't, you know, you hear that all the time, isn't it? Um, you, you continue on and, you know, you go with God or you go with whatever and isn't that, but here it's like, no, I don't yeah. want them to go. <laughs> I didn't yeah. want that. Yeah. And why did they? And if I could have prevented it, mm-hmm. I think that's harder for people that are, that are left here mm-hmm. and that it's harder to let go of is what I've noticed. Yeah. It's really the ministry of being present with each other or just yep. still showing up. Mm-hmm. And maybe there aren't a lot of words at that point. Right. And maybe the person and maybe the youth is who leads the words when they get there too. Right. Or you want to jump quicker mm-hmm. to the not the memorial or to the next mm-hmm. part because there are so many people that have a a deeper what if it was me, you know, mm-hmm. and what if I didn't do that. And mm-hmm. and I think as adults and as leaders and as peers, as other things to understand that that takes longer for people to get to. Well, I think Mm -hmm. that segues into this next question of, so there has been a traumatic death, there has been a death by suicide, and it's a Wednesday evening or a Sunday morning, Mm -hmm. or there's some type of church meeting and or worship, and here we are gathering. And what do ministry leaders and volunteers who don't have background in like, what do what do they do then with that? Mm-hmm. And you just kind of started to talk about, like, what do we do with that? Well, I think the ritual is mm-hmm. and of being together mm-hmm. and of those those pieces of what would you do Absolutely. if it was a, a different, I mean, any other type of death, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is still important and it's still comforting. 
and attaching people that are okay with talking about suicide in okay. it. I think mm-hmm. for those that would like to talk about that, because you still have to respect the family yes. as well, because mm-hmm. many families do not want to discuss mm-hmm. what happened or other, because it's still very private. Mm-hmm. So that becomes different. The questions I think are different sometimes when it is mm-hmm. a, a gathering of a suicide death of, uh-huh. um, and people want to know and understand and, and wrap their heads around it. And oftentimes you can't. You can't. And so it's more of just being with people and just being present, like you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are there coping skills? So for when, when a friend or someone that we care about, someone that we love dies by suicide, are there some tangible, what, what can be done or some coping tools that you could think of that Mm -hmm. you'd share? I think it's always an opportunity to, as a, as a group or as a, uh, to make sure you verbalize with each other of what do you need Mm -hmm. as a Mm check-in? What do you need? Because just as suicides, I think, are more intense Mm -hmm. that way with the shock, it also gives you an opportunity as a youth group or as another thing of like, what do you need when you are starting to feel this way? Or this is what I was feeling. Who can I call? Who Mm -hmm. will who still wants to talk about right. it? Who, who does not? Show, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that also needs to be honored with how we all maybe wrap our heads around it in a way that um, you find each other and you find the people that maybe cope similarly. And mm-hmm. if it would be, you need to go exercise, you need to go do this. I just need to, I need to sit and cry with somebody mm-hmm. or I need to, you know, need more materials. I would like to jump into the prevention piece. I would mm-hmm. like to go, you know, find a committee with our church, you know, okay. it, it, depending on your personality, there's all different ways of how you can make it your experience, mm-hmm. I think. And then as a group, how you get through it together without, right. you know, while also honoring that you've just lost somebody mm-hmm. that you all loved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So once there's been a death by suicide, there often is a response or reaction or some, we mm-hmm. want to, we want to deal with it immediately or, and what you've been talking about is it just takes this time. So after months, six months, nine months, maybe a year, how else can friends or church communities show up for adolescents and their families after they've experienced a death by suicide? So after a time frame. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's what's, I think what you guys are doing here with bringing up the the topic even of saying suicide, suicide prevention, mm-hmm. suicide um, survival, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. and not being scared of it, I think. And just like all your resources that you have with a lot of people do walks and mm-hmm. do other things that if, if they really you know, that family or that particular person feels that this will help them with it Mm -hmm. and continuing, it becomes kind of enfolded into your life. And, and those are very helpful. Continuing checking in on each mental health and and making sure your resources are there and not being scared of talking about it and continuing the conversation and not forgetting it happened, I guess. I think Mm -hmm. that's big. Naming that person, being willing to Mm -hmm. say their name and share stories. Mm Mm-hmm. So good. Mm-hmm. Anything else that you want to share on on this topic of either prevention or response as we, as we close here? Any other things that you want to say or I think you know what I've been thinking about suicide it is different. It is mm-hmm. um and everyone had a different relationship 
mm-hmm. with that. And it becomes, everyone then has their own way of grieving differently when it's a right. suicide. And, and it's okay that, yep. every, yeah. And in some ways, it, it, it's more of a murky field that you have to get through, but knowing that you will, and knowing mm-hmm. that there are so many more resources out there and opportunities to find it mm-hmm. and to to keep hunting for it and knowing it's you don't have to be stuck, I think is the biggest part. And not um, and alone. I keep hearing yep. you talk about you're not alone. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And each person has a different way, but also mm-hmm. honoring that, but also mm-hmm. keeping them moving. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, don't let them get stuck. Mm-hmm. Don't let them get get uh, kind of lost. Because I think that's the other thing that suicide mm-hmm. brings. It's a it's a lost dark because you know that person had to have been such a dark mm-hmm. place that's right. scary and that you can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes if you don't have, you know, like in a field like mine where mm-hmm. you you do you know come up with it on a regular basis, but you know that that is such a difficult place to even want to be with someone in Mm -hmm. that um, and to touch it. And once you see someone struggling so much that that is all they want to do, whether it be because of, you know, genetics or because of, Mm -hmm. you know, life circumstance or other things, Mm -hmm. drug and alcohol abuse and Mm -hmm. other things that have gotten them to that place. It's so heavy and and they don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. And knowing that there isn't a whole lot, you just got to keep being I think, and keep going and finding the little things that maybe you can move them in the, in a positive direction with. But at some, you know, also with life, you're going to be in those places Mm -hmm. and have those days Mm -hmm. and realize that suicide isn't your only option. Mm -hmm. I think, and you can reach out to other people and not be alone. Yeah. Thank you for this time together for educating us, for equipping us, empowering the listeners on this topic of suicide prevention and response. I'm so very grateful for the work that you have done and the work that you continue to do. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for joining Mental Health Conversations, a ministry of the Northeastern Minnesota Synod Youth Ministry and Mental Health Initiative. These podcasts are an educational resource for parents and ministry leaders and are intended as a first step to begin conversations on mental health. The information provided here is not complete and does not cover all issues related to mental health. These podcasts should never replace the advice of a skilled mental health professional. Always seek the advice of a mental health professional or other qualified health provider for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment if you suspect you or someone you know has a mental illness or mental health condition. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911 immediately. If you are having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-8255 to talk with a trained counselor. For more resources from the Northeastern Minnesota Synod Youth Ministry and Mental Health Initiative, visit www.nemnsynod.org slash mental health. Thank you for taking the time to invest in these conversations.